to Gender Sexuality School. I'm Tara Goldstein, and we're podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Today, we have two Master of Teaching students, Chris Orr and Braden Kenny, from the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. They're here to join us to talk about their Master of Teaching research projects. Both Chris and Braden are interested in the experiences of LGBTQ student teachers at school. Chris and Braden, welcome to Gender Sexuality Schooling. We're really happy to have you here. Hey, hey, thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tara. Such a pleasure. So to begin our podcast, could each of you tell us the title of your project, what it's about, and why you wanted to study your topic? Sure. Um, so my research project is LGBTQ plus self-identified uh, pre-service teacher candidates who are um, streamed in the Catholic school board. And I became interested in this because well, I, I self-identify as queer and I was brought up Catholic. I'm not practicing now, but I figured coming into the program um, because I went through catechism. I was like, hey, why don't I um, consider working in the Catholic school board? And I was actually connected with a few other teacher candidates who were in like a similar position to me in considering working in the Catholic school board. And I realized we all had pretty similar questions and fears around uh, being our authentic selves in the classroom. And so I started looking into research and realizing um, through reading, uh, especially Tanya Callahan's Homophobia in the Hallways, that there were other folks who were working through these struggles and like work to be done there. Excellent, excellent. Braden, what about your project? Yeah, so actually similar to Chris, I'm looking at uh, the experiences of queer teacher candidates in the K-12 education system. And so I got interested in this topic uh, due to just my own uh, research of what was out there. And it looked like there was a lot more research on uh, the experiences of queer teachers that are often like unionized or um, have contract positions, have like union representation. But there was little research on actually um, what are the experiences of queer teacher candidates and um, kind of already teacher candidates, when you're going into placement, you can kind of be in a vulnerable situation. And then on top of that, when you add um, queer identities and other form of identities on top of that, that can also um, cause for people to feel that they either have to conceal or hinder uh, from having to disclose their identity. And so I think just from my own experience navigating um the education system as a teacher candidate who identifies as queer, I thought that this would be an interesting uh, research project to endeavor. Yeah. Great. So both of you interviewed uh, other teachers and um, you asked them about their experiences. What did they tell you? What kind of things did they share with you? And uh, did anything surprise you? We'll go to Chris first. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So um, I spoke with two teacher candidates and um, both had very different experiences um, with grappling um, with whether they uh, wanted to be out in their Catholic classrooms or not. Um, but both having sort of similar experiences in their Catholic education classes at Oise. Um, and I think something that surprised me about the interviews was that I think I naively anticipated since, um, you know, 
Boise seems to be such like an open-minded, uh, inclusive environment. I, I just thought that um, topics of identity would be present within the Catholic education course in multiple ways of um, integrating your faith. And I found that those were the major concerns of both of the teacher candidates and that they both really wanted um, more connection and community around those topics that wasn't really present for them or that didn't particularly have a space for them here. So, yeah, so that was, I found, pretty surprising for me. Um, Did they ask their um, um, Catholic option teacher educator uh, if they could have that kind of discussion, were they? Did they feel that they could at least ask? And what was the response that they got? Yeah. So uh, the topic of I think it was specifically how do you respond to if a student in your class asks about uh, gay marriage? Right. I know that that topic came up in the classroom, and that uh, the uh, instructor sort of had a. Um, a pre-made response that was like, well, uh, you kind of just have to hold up Catholic doctrine and sort of like ended the conversation there. And I know that some of the students on their own time um, kind of uh, talked about, brought up those topics in small groups because they wanted to like address it more in a way that they felt was shut down in class. It's very interesting because um, OISE doesn't actually hire the um, Catholic teacher educators mm-hmm. who teach in the um, Catholic course. It's kind of given over to um, the religious institutions that are in charge of additional qualifications, mm-hmm. right? And so that when you talk about how our social justice culture hasn't kind of made its way to Catholic education and doctrine playing a big part of the responses to questions around sexuality and gender for that matter too. I think it's partly because we have that part of the program being run by a separate institution. Is um, that something that you have talked about with other uh, Catholic teacher candidates as well? Um, I felt like I, I well I I think at least one of the teacher candidates like wasn't aware that it was sourced outside right. of the system. Um so I think like because there isn't that sort of transparency it might be a bit confusing for right. some TCs in the class um but al- although I think they both definitely noted that there were some misalignments with that course and the rest of the program. Right. Yeah. Right. So interesting. Back to you, Brayden. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you talked to and the kinds of things that they shared with you. Great. So, yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, interview two teacher candidates uh, from OISE, and I had the chance to kind of get to hear about their experiences, and I kind of left it broad enough so that they could describe what... Uh, experiences uh, that they had in their practicum schools. So what I found interesting was that, in fact, there are a lot of experiences that are unique to teacher candidates um, that identify as queer and just teacher candidates in general than teachers that have been previously interviewed uh, that focused um, more on um, like job security uh, and kind of their peer relationships, while teacher candidates were more, more focused on 
kind of um, how they would fit in at the school and their community during their time there. Uh, so one of the most interesting findings I found was the most positive spaces that uh, teacher candidates felt included in were those actually created by students. So um, although the teacher, some teacher candidates had support by their associate teachers, a lot of times they didn't feel like um, they would be open enough to discuss their gender identity or sexuality with their teachers, but rather more with students, which was really interesting. And so I found that um, this manifested in different ways. Sometimes it was simple as seeing what kind of things students were reading. So if right. they had queer-related content or the presentations that they decided to um, do just because they were interested in it, um, as well as GSAs and the organizations that uh, students led created the most positive spaces for teacher candidates to be more themselves rather than in the classroom, which I found interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. So let's go to the implications part of um, our talk today. Uh, Brayden, we'll start with you. Mm -hmm. Given what you found out, what implications does your study have for yourself or uh, for other teachers? Yeah, so I think that the implications for this research really speak to teacher preparation programs like OISE and other faculties of education. I think that there, uh, just by the participants' response, there is more of a need uh, for teacher preparation programs to support um, queer-identifying teacher candidates. And even the participants themselves expressed a need for support, whether it be um, having more communication with their associate teacher by including their preferred pronoun right. or um, a desired name uh, to be included in their practicum record, as well as um, just ensuring that teacher candidates know their rights uh, going in as both a teacher candidate and as a queer person working in on the Ontario context. And so I think that there's need more from the support of the teacher preparation program to ensure that their experience uh, and identities are validated in their courses, and so then this can be translated in the, the classroom. Yeah. Given that you're just about ready to finish your two-year yeah. program, where in the program do you think that that support needs to be located? Right. I think that it, it needs to be a conversation. I, I know that going into um, your first practicum, at least at this institution, is within like a month and a bit. And I know that, Chris, you probably feel similar that uh, there's a lot to take in, even just as a teacher candidate preparing yourself. But I think that that needs to be an initial discussion that needs to happen before teacher candidates go into their practicums and just something that even is just in place. So right. um, teacher candidates don't feel the need to have to explain or um, disclose their identity with a associate teacher that often is more pro professional setting and they just feel uncomfortable when it's not someone close to them. So I think just having those systems already in place um, and having that mandate would just allow for teacher candidates to feel comfortable going into their even their first practicum. And who is it uh, or in which mm -hmm. course do you get that little bit of practicum preparation? Is it in um, uh, a course that's part of what you study as a cohort? Is it a co-curricular workshop? How does getting ready for practicum happen in the MT mm -hmm. program? Yeah, it, it almost feels like a lot of uh, it is just kind of like talking within your courses about it, but there's no kind of like explicit 
I think, instruction on what your practicum's gonna look like, uh, what to expect. I think that's more kind of like either through emails or um, more administrative um, notes that they send, but nothing really explicitly taught in courses. I think the closest thing that I got to preparing myself was I had a law course, but even then we only had a month right. work with it. And I think that the 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 lecture for that course did a really good job and just for us understanding our own rights. So I think that that helped me uh, in that sense. But that was the only really extent to which we discussed kind of practicum. Excellent. Uh, Before we go back to your study, Chris, I know that you're in um, a different panel than uh, Braden. Did practicum get discussed in any particular way or was your experience similar? Um, My experience was fairly similar to Braden's. Uh, I did, however, have my uh, um, my law course and also my fundamentals of teaching course right. kind of fused together. We had the same instructor, and so she was able to um, really spend a lot more time with our cohort. So I felt like in that course, I was somewhat prepared for practicum um, and that uh, our instructor had us uh, like preparing business cards and giving us some more like emotional support on what to anticipate and uh, feeling like we could really go to her as well as our um, practicum advisor if we did need support on the day of. But uh, I, I do also feel like there was a lot more space to get a, a more concrete idea of what exactly to expect. Um, yeah, we never really had mm-hmm. that walkthrough of mm-hmm. even things like, um, like when, when you should reach out about, say, if, not everybody has the best experience with their ATs. And I, I know that some of my, um, some folks in my cohorts, like, weren't really certain when it was appropriate or inappropriate to reach out to their cohort advisor. Right. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Excellent. So back to your uh, study, Chris. Yeah. Um implications of um, your interviews? Mm -hmm. What kinds of things uh, are important for your own practice? What kinds of things are important for other people? Yeah. Um, So I would say my implications are somewhat similar to Braden's, where the teacher candidates expressed wanting to have more of a space for an open community where they can like really express whatever fears or challenges or desires they have um, going forward in the classroom and how to address topics such as um, disclosing gender identity and sexuality to your ATs. Um, I also found that uh, it's interesting. What, something that, that Braden mentioned sparked something in my head that uh, where I've seen um, the topics of religion and sexuality um, r- really like at, supported best on campus has typically been in actual student groups. I know that there was like a querying religion group that I went to a few times, which was by far like the most open space I've been in, um, where, uh, yeah, it was, it was very open where folks from different religions would come together and sort of talk about their experiences of being at intersections. And I don't know if we need, maybe we need a space like that at Oise. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Chris Orr and Braden Kenny, thanks so much for joining us today. I loved hearing you talk about your Master of Teaching research projects. 
Chris Orr and Braden Kenny are Master of Teaching Students at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto. Chris is studying to become a teacher in the IS panel, and Braden is studying to become a teacher in the JI panel. All right, that's our podcast for today. This episode was produced with the support of the New College Initiative Fund and from Doug Friesen, who is a PhD student at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. Thanks to LGBTQ Family Speak Out team member Kate Reed, sound engineer Lisa Patterson, and musician Doug Friesen for creating the music that opens and closes the show. I'm Tara Goldstein. All the best. <laughs>